Our scripture this morning comes to us from the second chapter of Philippians, verses 1 through 11. If then there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation from love, any sharing in the Spirit, any compassion and sympathy, make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interest, but to the interest of others. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in human likeness. Being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God also highly exalted him, and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. The word of the Lord. Holy God, we ask that you would take the words of this sacred text and use it to draw us closer to the word made flesh, the incarnation of your love for us, that we might be transformed into the very image of this Savior. We ask it in his name, amen. <clears throat> T.S. Eliot once criticized modern literature by saying the characters no longer have great ideals that either inspire or conflict them. Now characters have nervous reactions. We understand that. We just completed another election that has again revealed how divided the nation is. It doesn't matter who you voted for, you're nervous about who they voted for. Every morning we approach the news nervously, worried that we'll encounter another hate crime, or as last night there'll be another mass shooting or that we'll encounter more political rhetoric that is short on great ideals and long on nervous reactions. Or we'll receive the chapel prayerless that remind us that another member of our community is having some medical problems or a loved one who may be critically ill if not dying. And so we hold our loved ones close because we know we can lose them. 
You've embarked on a long theological journey here. The education is expensive in time and money. It demands the best of you. And at times, you become nervous about where all of this investment is headed. And if you have children, don't get me started on nervous reactions. Now, we, we also have great ideals, as Eliot was talking about. We, we have great ideals of serving the reign of God, a reign of justice and peace. The great idea of responding to Christ's calling in our lives, lives that will make a difference. But it's not the great ideals that keep you up at night. When you can't sleep, it's because of the nervous reactions. In our text today, the Apostle Paul gives us a very great ideal that can vanquish nervous reactions. And that is to take on the humility of Christ. Let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, humbled himself, taking on the form of a servant. Those who've taken on the mind of Christ know that it was never about saving ourselves. It's always been about giving our lives away. And a vocation of humility. Now, humility has never been our favorite virtue. When new parents show you their baby, they never say, yes, so beautiful, and someday this child is going to grow up to be humble. No, what they should say is very soon this child is going to make me humble. The reason we don't so much care for humility is that we equate it with bad self-esteem. But actually, authentic humility can only be offered by those who have very strong self-esteem. True, deeply rooted self-esteem is not found in your accomplishments, your achievements, or your successes. No, it's, it, it's found only in being loved. And what the soul yearns for most of all is the love of its creator. That's what this text is depicting. Verses 5 to 11 may be among the most cherished verses in the entire New Testament. Some scholars even believe that this was originally a hymn that was sung by the early church over and over again as a way of rehearsing its Christology. And how does the hymn begin? It begins with Christ Jesus being in the form of God and choosing to humble himself into the form of a servant. In Christ, Almighty God, our Creator, is revealed as a servant. 
It doesn't matter how many times I say that, it still amazes me. And this is the God in whose image we are made. One revealed as a servant. Carl Jung used to tell the story of a contemporary rabbi who was asked, why is it that in ancient days God was revealed all the time, but these days no one ever sees God? And the rabbi responded by saying, because today no one can bow low enough to see God. This is essentially what Rabbi Jesus was proclaiming embodying one who has bowed so low out of love. In Christ, God has stooped lower than any experience you can have in this mortal life. According to the creed, he's descended all the way into hell, which means there's no experience you're going to have no depth to which you can sink that which Christ the Savior is not lower. Waiting for you, offering salvation and redemption. But not only has Christ in humility taken on our weaknesses and our anxieties, he's also given us his life. In the words of Saul of Alexandria, the Son of God became like us that we might become like him. And is this not the, the ministry of, of the Holy Spirit at, at work as the agent of incarnation and sanctification? When Christ was born, he was conceived by the Holy Spirit. When in his baptism he identified with the human situation, that's when the skies of heaven broke open and a voice was heard saying, this is my beloved. And when the Spirit descended upon him in his identification with us, and then the Spirit drives him out into the desert where he is tempted as we are. It's as if the Spirit is pressing the incarnation deeper and deeper. And then as the Apostle Paul proclaims, that same Spirit adopts us into the Son's beloved identity with God, making you also the beloved child of God. This is the source of our true humility. It has nothing to do with not doing well enough. It has nothing to do with what you have done or not done. It has everything to do with the Son of God coming to find us in a world filled with anxiety and with the Spirit adopting us into triune communion, making you the joint heir of Christ. You were once an outsider, but the triune God has brought you in, giving you a place at the table. It's, it's humbling. And it's all done by grace. The entire job description for this salvation, this redemption, this identity as the beloved has already been filled. It's yours solely by grace. 
Now this is a theological school, so we write papers on grace. That doesn't mean we like it. We're hard workers. We'd like to get an A on the exam of life. And this grace stuff makes it look like it's all pass-fail. Yeah. That makes us crazy. But when it comes to adoption, do the prospective parents wait until the child gets an A on the exam? No. No, parents adopt solely by gracious love. They bring this child into the family. And then, then the child has to take on the family identity, the family inheritance, and I'll tell you, in the family of God, that's a lot of hard work. So now we can talk about your achievement orientation, what it means to be adopted into the family of God by grace. It means that as you take on the identity of Christ, you share in his work, and your calling is also to humbly give your life away. So the question every day is not what is your community doing to serve you, but what have you done this day to be of service to your community? How have you given yourself to it? How have you given yourself to the pathos of a world that's being torn apart by its anxiety? How have you fulfilled your humble vocation? But don't rush to the humility without first bathing in the grace of God. Otherwise, the humility will become law, and it will just make you all the more anxious. It all flows from being adopted. It flows from the grace. It flows from hearing heaven call you the beloved. As the beloved of God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, you are given Christ's life and you are given Christ's work. Do you see? In Christ, you now have a life worthy of giving to others. In Christ, you can love even a world that's doing all it can to make you anxious. In Christ, you have found a perfect love that casts out fear. It's humbling. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.